Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rama.org.au forward slash media. Here's a scripture today that we'll start off with in Luke chapter 24 and verse 49. It says, And behold, I am sending the promise of the Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So that is our text scripture for today. Notice the promise of the Father. So when we talk about the Holy Spirit, the Father promised the Holy Spirit to us in our dispensation or church age. We're in the church age. So we talk about uh, the Holy Spirit and we talk about Pentecost Sunday Let's just do a little definition in case you, you're not familiar with it. What is Pentecost Sunday? So here's a definition of Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday is a celebration of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit a week after Jesus ascended into heaven. So it was about 50 days from the, from the time that Jesus died, and there was 50 days that passed when the Holy Spirit was given. It was seven days after he ascended up into heaven, okay? So the followers of Jesus, uh, it wasn't until the Holy Spirit came that any significant movement started. So we could really say that once the Holy Spirit came, that's when things began to move, and that's when the church was born. And we're going to talk about that today, okay? So here's something interesting. Uh, on Mount Sinai... Moses received the word 50 days after Pentecost. The people sinned and 3,000 died. On Mount Zion, the Holy Spirit fell 50 days after the Lamb of God was crucified and 3,000 people were saved. So aren't you glad that we're not under the law, but we're under grace and that we're not being killed now uh, that because of wrongdoing, but we're, the Lord is forgiving us and cleansing us and blessing us it's wonderful. So here's a little bit of uh, thoughts before we go on. This, of course, in one Sunday, you cannot expound on everything about the Holy Spirit, so please know that. And then secondly, uh, if you're with us today and you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, I really encourage you to listen well, because this can be the day that you could receive the Holy Spirit. And I can tell you from personal experience, it's a blessing to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, and then we want to say this, though. We have brothers and sisters, many of them out there, that chose not to go this direction. I want to say they are our brothers and sisters. I want to say that we should never make them feel uncomfortable or force what we believe on them. We should love them and treat them as brothers and sisters. And, uh, and we know that we're all going to be together uh, for eternity, okay? So let's, uh, let's look at this now, and we'll get into this. So statistics, let's look at this because it's important that you guys know this is a big thing we're talking about. We're just not some little small group. So uh, this, the best I could do was find 2014 for some statistics. But there were 631 million Pentecostals in 214, and it was uh, about one-fourth of Christians. And sometimes, you know, that's their thought about who Christians are. They, I, I can't say they're accurate in determining who's a Christian, but that's interesting you, you're a lot more accurate when you figure out who's a Pentecostal, <laughs> you know, because they, there's a distinctive thing about Pentecostals. They speak in tongues, you know. And then, uh, then 
and uh, there was only 63 million Pentecostals in 1970. So the number is expected to reach 800 million if Jesus doesn't come back by 2025. So we're not a small little group in the earth. We're a big group. Okay, so it's important to know that. Uh, so you, 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 know, you know that when you're a Pentecostal, you're a part of something much bigger than you are. Okay, and then a, f- a few other things. There's no sign that the growth rate of Pentecostalism is slowing down. There's no sign that it's slowing down. And according to a 2006 Pew Forum report, Pentecostals make up the following percent of the population in these nations. Now, these nations up here, Guatemala, 60% of their entire population speaks in tongues. Brazil, 49% of the Brazilian population speaks in tongues. We're not small, and, and especially in these countries. Kenya, 56% of the population in Kenya speak in tongues. And the Philippines, and we got some Filipinos here. Let's hear it for the Filipinos. 44% of the Filipinos speak in tongues. Anybody here from Kenya? Any, uh, we, we got any Guatemala or Brazil? No, but we do have some, some Filipinos. So think about these countries. When you go into these countries, you know, you have a, a 60% chance of meeting a tongue talker right away in Guatemala. <laughs> so so it's, it's, it, we're, 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 it's spreading like fire, okay? So here's what they say in this Pew report uh, that happened in 2006. They say, in the future, it is likely that countries will have populations in which Pentecostal Christians are either in the majority or compromise a very significant minority. So this is where we're going. We're we're not diminishing, but we're multiplying and we're increasing, okay? So here's a question. Did Jesus look at being filled with the Spirit as optional? When Jesus walked on the earth, did he see being filled with the Holy Spirit uh, as optional? The answer is no. He actually commanded that we should be filled. And I'll show you. So to make sure before we go on, does that mean now it's, you know, and I've already said it, is it necessary to be filled with the Spirit and speak in tongues to go to heaven? And the answer is no. People will go to heaven if they're not filled and they don't speak in tongues. But we do want to see what Jesus said about it. So look, at this is the commandment that Jesus gave in Luke 24 and verse 49. Uh, and that says, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay Everyone notice, but stay, I underlined, I put that in capital capital because it was so important to Jesus. He said, don't do anything until you get this. He said, you stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Jesus knew that they would be much more effective if they waited to be filled with the Holy Spirit because he said that is power from on high. And then out of the mouth of two or three let everything be established so look at acts chapter 1 and verse number 4 it says and while staying with them he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem but wait for the promise of the father which he said you heard from me two different scriptures out of the mouth of two or three let things be confirmed so we can see that Jesus said it even more than one time he said you stay and you get the power, okay? 
So here's another question. Why would Jesus put such value on this? Why, why did he put such a high value on the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Spirit and having that power? The answer is really simple because it has great benefits. And one of the old British, who I respect the British guys highly, uh, they taught us so much. And so one of the older British men that's gone home to be with the Lord many years ago, he made the statement that when you're filled with the Spirit and baptized and speaking in tongues, it's like a door into all the other supernatural things. So you can see, uh, it's, 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 you know, if you, don't, if you don't yield to being filled and speaking in tongues, it, it doesn't open that door for so many other things. It's like a doorway in. And so if you really have a hunger to have all those, the gifts of the Spirit and various things operating, it's nice to go through that door. And I'm going to tell you my testimony about how I went through that door, and, uh, and, it, and I trust it will help you out. But why did Jesus put a great value on it? Because it has such benefits. So let's look at the first thing here concerning benefits in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 14 and verse 18. Here's what it says. Paul said, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you all or more than all of you, okay? So Paul, the apostle, basically, he did a lot of speaking in tongues, and he was like the main apostle. He was sent to pioneer the church in the Gentile world, and he had some major persecution going on in his life, and he said, I speak in tongues more than you all. Like, you, you know, uh, we, we have a pastor friend in St. Louis. I'm on, a, I'm on a church board in St. Louis, and uh, they used to have time to pick us up at the airport. Now we just rent a car and drive to our hotel. But years ago when they had that kind of time, they'd pick us up at the airport. And when we got in the car, he always did this. He says, I sense a tongue de deficit. A tongue deficit. He said, let's pray in the Holy Ghost. So we, we haven't seen him for months, almost a year, more than a year. And he doesn't even want to talk. The first thing he wants to do is pray in the Holy Ghost. So we, we just get in the car, and within a couple minutes, we're, we're going to our hotel with them, praying in the Holy Spirit. But he would, we, we, we made it a joke after a while. So, so a lot of times, I'll send him a text message from here, and I say, I sense a tongue deficit with you. <laughs> just kidding around. But see, Paul, he spoke in tongues more than you all, okay? Look at this scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 2. It says, for one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. Okay, I want to read a, a scriptures, then we'll make comments on all of them. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 14, it says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 4, the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. Jude 20 but you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Okay, so what we see in those scriptures is that when we pray, the benefits of uh, being baptized in the Spirit and being able to speak and pray in tongues is that we speak to God. We speak mysteries in the Spirit. When we do that, our spirit prays, and we also were built up. Now, that's some nice stuff, okay? Isn't it nice? Okay, so we could say this looking at those scriptures that praying in tongues is a direct channel between the Father God and our spirits. Okay, 
praying in tongues, it's like this direct channel between us and God. Then further, we could say this. We pray out heavenly mysteries, plans, strategies, all the while the evil spiritual realm doesn't understand any of it. You know, there, there was a movie they made a long time ago, and it was about uh, this, uh, it was a, a war movie, and I, it was something about whisperers or something, I'm trying to think, but it was, a, it was a group of people, they used a language that the, the enemy couldn't understand that language because they were picking up on all the communications, you know. So this group of people used their language to help the military. They weren't really military, but it was the Navajo, the Navajo Indians. They got the Navajo Indians to use their language, and the enemy, did, that was one of the languages they didn't know, and they start communicating, and that's when they started to win the war. I can tell you this for sure. The devil, when you pray in the Holy Spirit, he doesn't have a clue what's going on. You know, it's like a direct line between us and the Lord. It's awesome. Okay, so I want to just share these two different experiences concerning the Holy Spirit with you guys. So the first experience is when we get born again, okay, when, uh, when we ask Jesus Christ to be the Lord of our life. So here, um, just, here's a story. You, most of you know it, so I'll keep it brief. But my brother Joe, who's a pastor now in Ohio, been, been a pastor for 30-plus years, he got saved and we thought he got into a cult. So I thought, I gotta go rescue my younger brother who's in a cult. So I went to rescue him. He was at a Bible study in Youngstown, Ohio. This, and this was happening in Janu December and January. I, I went three times to this Bible study. And as I sat there at the Bible study, I just observed them and I asked a few questions. The leader of the Bible study, he was a French-American guy. And this Bible study had all bodybuilders and powerlifters because at that time I was really into bodybuilding. So my brother and I owned a business and we, had, uh, we trained guys bodybuilding and powerlifting. That's what we did. So I didn't know that there was an underground Christian movement going on in our club. And, and my brother got saved and I went to rescue him. And when I walked into the restaurant, there's like 15 powerlifters and bodybuilders sitting around this little French-American guy, he was the small guy that he really wasn't a bodybuilder or a powerlifter. He was just really small, and he had all these big guys sitting around him, you know. And uh, as you heard before, I told my mother I was going to go and rescue my brother, and I said, and, if, and, I, and I, I thought Christians were all sissies, and I just didn't have a high opinion of Christians. So I said, if any of those little Christians try to stop me, I'm going to get my brother, and I'm going to pull him out of there by the ear, and if they try to stop me, I'll just pop them. And then I, I walked into to the, to the, to the restaurant. It was a back room in a restaurant, and there's 15 of these guys sitting around the table. And the first ones I noticed, you probably heard me say, I saw Poochie. That was his nickname, Poochie. Now, before Poochie got saved, he loved to fight on the weekends, you know. So he would come into the gym on Mondays normally with a black eye, and he would say, man, I really got into a fight, and he'd tell you about the fight he got into. Then I looked, and there was Steve Cattell there. You know, probably the better way to say his name is Catale, Italian. Steve, used, I used to spot him when he bench pressed, 500 pounds. So I, I knew right away that I wasn't going to pop anyone. <laughs> and I was also shocked that all Christians weren't sissies. That was a, a new surprise for me. So I sat down, and I start listening to what they were saying. 
And there was one statement that really got me because uh, the guy, Lou, he was the French-American uh, guy, he, he told me on my way out of the Bible, he said, what? He was showing me that it's necessary to get saved to make sure you make heaven and you're in heaven for eternity. And I, I, never heard, I never heard these things about being born again. My father and mother made us sit on the front row in church every Sunday, but I never heard the terminology born again, totally brand new, because the church we were in never cracked a Bible, you know. So I didn't know what born again was. I, at first I thought it was a cult. But he was saying, you must be born again so you can spend eternity. Then he made this statement that got me. He said, what if you get in a car accident on the way home you, and you chose not to accept Jesus as your Lord? You'll go to hell for eternity. Is that what you want? And, and I start thinking about that. And then I went back the next week and I went through. And he thought that the devil sent me there to torment them. He thought I was like the thorn, a thorn in their flesh and that the devil sent me to disturb their Bible study, but he had no idea what was working on the inside of me. And the Spirit of God was convicting me that I needed Jesus. So the third time I went, I told my brother, I'm getting saved tonight. Tonight's my night. I couldn't wait for the Bible study to end because, I mean, it would be great if people, when they come to church, the church is good, but I can't wait to get saved. I can't wait for the end when they give the altar call. That's the way I was. I couldn't wait for the end to come so I could get saved. So the, the end came, but Lou was a little long-winded, so they kicked us out of the restaurant. And in January, we're standing, how cold it is in Youngstown, Ohio. It's right below Canada, you know. And we're standing in a circle holding, there's 15 bodybuilders standing holding hands in a circle. And I'm in the middle with Lou, me and the, the French-Canadian, American guy. And uh, he leads me in a prayer. Now, he was an English instructor. He was a teacher in school. He taught English, and he was very wordy. So he led me in a prayer that seemed like it went on forever. <laughs> but all I know is when I was praying, I sensed a change. There was something that happened to me. There was a burden that lifted off me when I accepted Jesus. There was something that happened on the inside of me, and I was different. I knew that, that Christ came in me. So when we got in the car, I told my brother, I said, man, I, I, there's something that happened there, but what did I pray? It was so long, I can't remember anything. And my brother said, it's really simple. The Bible says, if you confess Jesus is Lord and believe God raised him from the dead, you're saved. That's what you basically did. You believe God raised Jesus from the dead and you confess him as Lord. So in a few words, that's what happened to you. And I was a different person. And you guys, many of you heard me say before, before I was saved, I was miserable. Every other word out of my mouth was a cuss word. I would, and, and immediately, I didn't want to cuss. I had no desire to cuss. I had a joy because the fruit, one of the fruit of the Spirit is joy. I had joy for the first time in my life, you know. I was a different person because I got saved. So what the Bible says about that, here's what happens in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13. It says, in him you also, when you heard, so first you hear the word of truth, I heard the gospel of your salvation, I heard the gospel, the good news, and then it says, and believed in him, then look at this, it says you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So people that are not filled and speak in tongues, they are still sealed. In other words, when they get saved, the Holy Spirit still comes in them, and they do have the Holy Spirit on the inside. So they, we have to understand that our brothers and sisters still have the Holy Spirit on the inside if they 
choose not to receive the, the, the infilling of the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. That's what's happened. That was my first experience. I got saved and I was sealed with the Holy Spirit. And here's a few other scriptures because like the Bible will, will confirm everything. Look at John 14 and verse 17. It says, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you. Why did Jesus say he dwells with you? Well, he was talking to his disciples, and they saw all the miraculous works. He even sent them out and gave them authority, and they even cast out devils, and they were preaching, but it wasn't because the Holy Spirit was in them and they were saved. It was because for that season, it was a season while Jesus walked on the earth, God allowed the Holy Spirit to come on the disciples to do the works that Jesus was doing. It was a season. Okay, but then they were told to wait in the upper room because that season ended when Jesus was crucified and they had to wait for the Holy Spirit to come permanently on them. Okay, so that was a season. So he says he dwells with you, but then he says he's going to be in you. That's the new birth. That's getting saved. And that's what that's talking about. And then look at John chapter 7 and verse 38. It says, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of, inside, we inside out out of his heart will flow rivers we sang these things today of living water so a person that gets saved they still have a river that can flow out of them I was a different person after I got saved uh, my want to changed I had a lot of new brand new wonderful holy desires and my what was on the inside uh, was significant because what my flesh and all the other stuff on the outside, I didn't want it any longer, okay? So that was my first experience. Now, my second experience happened, and I, I wish I would have kept records, but I, I didn't. You, ne you know, I never knew that there would come a day that I would even uh, stand behind a pulpit or I would have kept better records, you know? So I don't know how many weeks or months after I was saved that I was filled with the Holy Spirit. But here's, here's something to see in the Word in John chapter 20 and verse 20. Uh, to see, uh, we want to build a case here because some people still might uh, struggle thinking, is this really necessary or is there really a difference between the two? So here's uh, Jesus in John 20 in verse 20, and it says, when he set, had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. So just, this is after Jesus was crucified. He rose from the dead and he was still walking on the earth with his disciples. Uh, and so he said, here's my hands and here's my side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Then two verses down, here's what Jesus said. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus could not do that until after he died, went to hell, took our sin, and raised from the dead. He could not do that. So they, they actually then received, that was when they were born again and received the new birth. They were born again when Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And you, you, you might say, well, how do we know that they weren't, they weren't filled with the Spirit, that they were born again? Well, you, you know that's really easily, and here's how you know that, to show you that there's two different experiences. You go to Acts chapter 1 and verse 5, and then this is Jesus talking to his disciples, and, and he said, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. But then he said, now there's going to be another experience. You're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. See, this is all happening in a period of time. Okay. 
Uh, and then another thing, look at Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Uh, Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So there again, Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit, but that was when they were born again. But now he's saying, now there's going to be something else. I'm telling you guys, don't do anything yet. They probably felt like I did. They said, man, I'm different. Something happened on the inside. I felt a burden lift off me. They probably had all that, but he said, you wait in the upper room until you get the power, okay? So, you know, uh, this is just a thought, and I don't have it in my notes, but Smith Wigglesworth, another great British uh, man of God that's gone home to be with the Lord, he attempted to do ministry, uh, and he failed every time, and then he got filled with the Holy Spirit around 50 years old, and then he restarted, and then was it nine people that got raised from the dead under his ministry? But he, he got the power. You see what I'm saying here? Um, okay, so, uh, so you see here, he says, now notice that one place Jesus said the Spirit will be in you. Another place he said in Acts chapter 1-8, he said the Spirit will come upon you. So the Spirit in us is the new birth, and we get the fruits of the Spirit. But the Spirit upon us is what empowers us to do works, okay? So here's, here's my story. Uh, I was saved, and I don't know how long after. And even for myself, my best friend told me that he had a cousin that he never told me about. Her. It's interesting that he never told me he had a pretty, she was half Italian, and he knew that Italians, it meant a lot. I didn't marry an Italian because I, I met somebody that I loved, so it didn't matter what they were. But back then before I renewed my mind. You know, when you grow up in an Italian home, your parents say, marry an Italian. But it's not even just marry an Italian. Make sure you get one from your, your region. So we're from, my family's from Calabria. So my grandmother would say, marry an Italian, but don't marry just any Italian. Marry a Calabrese. You got to marry the Calabrese, you know. And so, so you understand that's how the Italians are. And, uh, <laughs> and so... Uh, so I don't even know why I told that story now. <laughs> huh? Oh, thank you, but now I'm trying to figure out where to hook back in at. But um, so, so, yeah, so I don't know how much time passed. I remember my friend with his half-Italian cousin, and he said, I have a beautiful cousin, and she's half-Italian. Why didn't he tell me that before I got saved? It's almost like I thought it was, the devil was trying to distract me here. But... Um, so I went out with her, and we really hit it off. And I thought, man, she is pretty and all this stuff. But what I found out is she didn't know Jesus, and it was really a distraction. And I thought, man, I don't want to. And then you get to this thing where you don't want to hurt anybody. Now you're going along, and you, don't, you can't get out of it, and that kind of a thing. And then uh, Lou, the French-Italian guy, he told me this. My brother Joe, when he got saved, he was born again, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit minutes later. So he got saved, and he got filled with the Spirit and spoke in tongues minutes apart. So Lou told me this, because Lou didn't really understand the Bible. He said, Tony, he said, your brother Joe's special, and you're not. <laughs> he did. I'm serious. And I, he said, God has something really special for your brother, because he was born again and filled with the Spirit quickly, he doesn't have anything special for you. This is all, he says, he didn't know. 
So I thought, huh. So I, I went home, and I said, I was in my bedroom by myself, and I said, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit and move my tongue. I want to speak into, I was waiting for God to move my tongue because I didn't know. So um, my brother Joe, by the way, you know, he, he, my brother Joe, he would, he told everybody in our house that he was uh, filled with the Spirit and he spoke in tongues. For, and you probably heard this, but my brother John started to persecute him, and my brother John started to call him prayer tongue. And he did it real, like, like really, like, prayer tongue, prayer tongue, like that. So, so my brother Joe, one time, he couldn't take it any longer. So, you know, we had company one night, and we were in the kitchen, and uh, this is back when they didn't, like they had those arch doors, and the house was real divided. Now that everything's the open plan, but this was the closed plan. But I saw... I saw a flash go across the door, uh, and then I heard a boom, then I heard boom, boom, boom. And I walked into the room, and my brother John's laying on the floor going, Ugh. And I said, Joe, what are you doing? He says, Christian anger. He said, he said, I am fed up with people persecuting me for speaking in tongues, and from now on, this is what's going to happen. <laughs> By the way, my brother John got saved and filled with the Spirit. <laughs> it wasn't that particular night, but he did. <laughs> but my brother Joe, he's like a big teddy bear now. He was just a baby Christian back then, so he's come a long way too. So, so, so this whole thing about, okay, you know, am I not special? Will God give it to me? And you start wondering because... I'm in my bedroom saying, fill me with the Holy Spirit, Lord, and, and move my tongue. I want, I want to speak in tongues, and I'm waiting for him to <laughs> grab my tongue and start, start making me speak. And then what I did is I went to this uh, Bible study in the basement of the Catholic Church because I grew up in the Catholic Church, and, and we still did, did, we did not leave yet. And so they had this little secret charismatic group there, you know, that no, you know, it was a secret underground in the basement. And they brought in a Protestant minister to teach one night from the outside. And so he said this. He said, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, he said, you're not the one. The Lord isn't the one that speaks. You're the one. And then he went to Acts chapter 2 and verse number 4. And it says, they were all filled with the Spirit. And what? They began to speak. The Lord didn't get a hold of their tongue and move their tongue. That is a key piece of information that I needed so I could understand how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I didn't know that, so I'm like waiting for the Lord to move my tongue, and he never did. But then I thought, whoa, okay, so you pray, and you say, fill me with the Holy Spirit, Lord, and then, and, and then they told me this other really key important information. They said, they said when, you, when you first start praying in tongues, it might be really simple. Like, it, it could be like, la, 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 la. It could be like that. But if you continue on, your prayer language will increase and get... And now, you know, I'm not going to stand up here and show you my, the, the fullness of my prayer language or anything. <laughs> but I can tell you that it's much more than going, la, la. But mine was really simple. There's other people, when they first get filled with the Spirit, their prayer language seems very complicated at first. But you see, you can't go, by, you can't go with a feeling. But then here's the key thing that they told me, too. They said, if you stand there and go, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, and that's what a lot of us used to do. <laughs> they said, you can't say thank you, Jesus, and you can't pray in tongues at the same time. So you can say thank you a few times and thank him, but then eventually you're going to have to stop saying, speaking in your language like English, 
and you're going to have to actually yield and speak in tongues. That was a key bit of information for me. Because back in those days, we would just stand there going, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. And he was probably up saying, you're welcome, you're welcome, you're welcome. (laughs) So that that really helped me. (laughs) Okay, so here's what I found out, these two different experiences. When I was saved, the Holy Spirit came in me. But when I was filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit came on me. So here is the scripture, and we'll close right here. Acts chapter 8 and verse 14. Here's the story that happened with me in a few verses. Look at this. It says, Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to Peter and John. So they got saved. They received the word of God. They had the Holy Spirit in them. And then in verse 15, it says, Who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit? So they had the Holy Spirit in them, but they knew it was important that they got the Holy Spirit on them, okay? And then in verse number 16, for he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And look at this, and then verse 17, then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And we know from Acts 2-4, when they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit, that they began to speak in tongues. So this is Pentecost Sunday. I think many of you that have been with us for a long time, you know that we're not strange people. I, I hope you don't think I'm strange. <laughs> and, and, he, and so, but from the whole time you know, know, you've known me, I pray in the Holy Spirit almost every day. It hasn't made me strange. And I want to tell you, it's a real difference maker in your life. So we're going to give an invitation today. Here's some things that you should know, and then we're, we're going to close up really quick. Just a few things. Here, the only time in Scripture someone tarried for the Holy Spirit was the very first time when he said, go up to the upper room. Because some people develop this thing, I'm, I'm waiting, I'm tarrying. Uh, you can't find anything in the Bible like that. They only tarried once. It was the first time. Secondly, in Acts chapter 8, and verse 15 and 17, this clearly shows after they were saved, they received the Holy Spirit uh, by prayer and the laying on of hands. It's really easy. Now, I can tell you, I, was, I had a lot of fear when I was in that basement in the Catholic Church. Man, I was like shaking in fear. I don't know, be, and you know, and I don't know why, but there is something about being filled with the Spirit. It's like, he, it's not like he doesn't, put, when we're saved, he does come in and he does possess us, but there's just something about being filled and speaking in tongues that it's like total possession. You know, and I called my friend after and I said, I'm, my, the, the, I called the Italian girl after because I got totally possessed and, and I couldn't do this before. And I said, listen, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit now and I speak in tongues, you know, and I, I don't know if that was a wise thing to do, but I said, I am going to go all the way with God. Do you want to come with me? She says, I want nothing to do with it. And I said, goodbye. And I hung the phone up. <laughs> the next thing that happened is my friend called me and started cussing me out for hurting his cousin. But, you know, hey, you know, I, I didn't want to hurt anybody, but, hey, you get possessed by God and you want to serve God and you're going, you know, I was going to go all the way. I love God and I still do after all these years, you know. Okay, so then here's some other practical stuff. The Holy Spirit is not earned by works or our own holiness. Some people develop that. Like you get saved and they go, now, you got to quit smoking. You got to do all the, you know, and when you do all this stuff and get yourself really clean, you can get the Holy Spirit. Wrong. And then also baby Christians were filled. We saw it right in the word. They received the word and they sent the apostles so they could get the Holy Ghost. Baby Christians were filled before they had 
an opportunity to earn the Holy Spirit because it's not to be earned. It's a free gift. Salvation is a free gift, and the Holy Spirit is a free gift. Okay, and then lastly, He, the Holy Spirit, is to be freely received just as Jesus is to be freely received. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.